Um, thanks to Danielle for doing that. So exciting. Oh, man. So I don't know how you guys feel about November and all that follows. <laughs> uh, maybe you love it. I find that those of you guys who grew up around here, you're just like, oh, good. It's going to be rainy and cold for four months. And you're just like, yes, that's so wonderful. So they do. I've heard them say, Dan tells me just that. It's Dan. I'm talking about Dan. I'm calling Dan out. He thinks that. He's a crazy person. Uh, sorry. So some of you guys love it. By that, I mean Dan. Uh, you love it when it's cold and rainy and cozy. Um, but maybe you're like me. Maybe. And you're not a huge fan. I feel like I have to do this every winter as we're coming in. We're like, hey, guys, let's just prepare ourselves because it's probably going to be like all the other winters. <laughs> it's going to be dark. It's going to be cold, but it's going to be okay. Um, I find this season a little bit hard, but here's the good news. And just to encourage you, um, we are right now talking about prayer, which is like exactly the sort of thing we need to do when we're feeling like maybe a little off or a little cold or a little like meh. You know, like prayer is like such a, such a, great, um, a great way to, to navigate through, I think, some of the like, the inwardness that's forced upon us in this season, like literally insideness, and then like gets some of us get a little bit in our heads, like me. Um, but like to equip ourselves to be able to pray through this season um, is is important. So I'm really glad that we've been going through through this. Like if you want to have um, in the winter or in any time of life, uh, like peace and joy then we have to learn how to, to meet with God, how to, how to seek the Lord, how to develop a prayer rhythm, how to develop the, the, the skills, and then also like the art of prayer. Um, we have to have a habit that's going to carry us through difficult times. And so that's why, you know, we've been doing this. We've been talking about prayer for, this will be five weeks now, and you got, we're doing the home groups, and we're having these prayer and worship nights. Um, don't think of prayer... Don't think of prayer as just like, oh, well, something that I'll do eventually or like, you know, some sort of optional, like a cherry on the cake of your spiritual life. Like it's, it's the meat, it's the potatoes. Prayer is so vital to um, a, a persevering life in Christ, like a life of, of continual joy and hope because it's as we come and we talk to God and as we come and we get to know the Lord that when he like does the, the transformative work within us, like he's changing us. And then like in a relationship with him, we're able to um, not avoid the challenges of life, but navigate through them. Like that's it. Prayer no amount of skillful prayer will make life easier in that it will not keep you from having difficulties. Like, stuff will happen. Friends will die. Uh, you know, you will feel sad. You will go through life living a normal, like, emotional spectrum of life. But what you will have that you wouldn't have otherwise is you'll have a place to go where you can deal with that stuff. And the thing is, like, unless you have the habit then when things get difficult, you're, you're just going to avoid dealing with it, going before the Lord and like letting him comfort and, and bring you to that next place in life. So, so don't think by me talking about prayer and encouraging us to be in this season of prayer, it's just, well, I just think we should pray because that's what religious people do or something like that. I'm saying we need to pray because it is the, the preliminary skill that's going to make it so that we can get through our lives with joy and peace and like on this upward path. You're investing now 
to, 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 to get through the challenges that are going to come. You're developing a relationship with the Lord now. Maybe things are difficult for you right now, but whatever state you're in, so that you can have something to draw on in the future. You know, if you're hungry and if you're, sorry, if you're thirsty and you live in a desert, you spend a long time and a lot of money digging a well. You don't wait till you're dying of thirst to dig a well. You have a well there so that you can start to draw water when you need it. This is what we're doing when we're thinking about having a prayer life. You are digging a well that you can come back to. Um, I was totally off my notes here. <laughs> I don't know where I'm at here. Um, like you're going to go through um, this, okay, this morning. Okay, I actually want us to do something really practical, and we're going we're gonna to focus on a very narrow uh, aspect of prayer, and that's just like um, persistent and maybe like, um, to use a Christian word, long-suffering prayer that is like praying through and continuing to pray through difficult situations. Um, and we're going to do something a little bit different here uh, in a second, but for about 15 minutes, I'm just going to kind of talk on this, and then we'll, we'll do something different, which will be fun. So, ooh, get ready. It's going to be different. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I want to focus on persistent prayer, and I don't just mean the fact that we need to pray on a regular rhythm, but even beyond that, I think that you'll find that as you pray, that there are things in your life, and this is true of all people, that will just come up over and over and over and over and over over the course of decades, maybe. You know, like there's going to be things that you're going to be praying for, and you're going to be praying for them for a long time. Uh, sometimes there are like deeply personal struggles, like things like this can be really personal. Like you are persistently dealing with things like maybe anxiety or shame or sin. And like, don't get me wrong, it's not that the Lord can't in an instant take some things away. Because I've had things where I was like, man, for forever, forever, and felt like I'm just, kind of get to the point where you're like, I think I'm just going to deal with this for the rest of my life, and the Lord takes those away. Like, that's awesome. But some things, you just got to keep, keep hanging in there with the Lord. You got you to keep going back to him, right? So, so maybe it's like you're dealing with um, anxiety, uh, shame, like some sort of, again, Christian word, like a besetting sin, like a sin, a temptation that just keeps coming back and back and back. And you think, when will this finally be over? Like you have to continue to persist in prayer through these things to seek the Lord's strength. Or maybe you're like in a prolonged season of grief, like grief can take a while. Like there's going to be things that come upon you that's like, man, they, they just kind of mess with your inner life a little bit. It happens. Um, but you just need to learn to keep coming back to the Lord. Um, but that's hard because you feel like you're just praying the same thing over and over again. It becomes difficult at some point. Or maybe you're in a situation in your life that's not like, not really so much an inward struggle, but you're dealing with a situation. Like you have a broken relationship or a sick loved one, like somebody who's, who's ill, um, maybe uh, you are frustrated in your career or your life circumstances. Maybe you're unemployed, and that's frustrating, right? And, like, something's got to break, but you feel like you just, just have to continue to be persistent in the middle of this. Maybe your marriage is difficult. Maybe your kids are difficult. Maybe you have broken relationships with your kids. You know, there's situations that happen kind of outside of us that we're all kind of just have to walk through, and we need to learn to pray in the middle of those things. If you're a person who's uh, committed to prayer and uh, who is alive, <laughs> it will not be long until you find yourself in one of these sorts of situations where you're going to require the, the skill of persistent prayer. And Jesus knew about this. 
this, right? Jesus anticipated this. In in, uh, Luke 18, Jesus delivers a parable to his disciples. He says this, now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not give up. I love it when they tell us what they're about, right? A parable on the need to pray always and not give up. And, And Jesus goes on. He says, there was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling. But later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me down, wear me out by her persistent coming. And then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping, him, helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So Jesus is drawing, in a parable, he's drawing a contrast, which is generally the form of parables, drawing a contrast between a widow who is nagging a local judge, a local magistrate, um, for justice and us going to God in prayer. He's contrasting those two things. Um, now, I think it's, it's, we guess should be clear, he's not saying that God is like this unjust judge. In fact, it's, it's a contrast. He's saying, actually, God is way better than this unjust judge. He's not like this unjust judge who, who just gets badgered into doing his job, finally, by this widow who just keeps coming back to him. The point Jesus is making is that God is so much better than this lazy judge. God is, is faithful. He's good. He's just. He's loving. And so he will be swift, swift to bring about justice. Um, his point is to, to emphasize how much more we can depend upon God, how much more we ought to expect the Lord to do things in the middle of persistent, difficult times. And I think the takeaway is this. If you're going to pray persistently, you've got to know that God is good. You've got to know that he hears your prayers and he cares. It's like this, it's this hard thing, this hard thing that we just have to settle in our mind and understand. And Jesus, like, his thing is, if you're going to pray persistently, this is, what, this is the lesson you need to learn. Know that there is a good God who you're praying, praying to. He's not, um, he's not just, like, absent from this world. He's not uh, shirking his responsibility, or his, his love for you. Like, he hears you. He hears you. And so we can persist knowing who he is and what he's like. Like, we got to know what he's like. Jesus drives the point home in, a, in another parable in Matthew 7, 7. He says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want uh, others to do uh, for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophets. It makes it really clear, right? God is a certain kind of person, a good father who knows how to give good gifts. And so, in light of who he is, we can ask, seek, knock. 
And the person who's going to do that, frankly, already knows who's on the other side of the door. They, they know the character of the person they're seeking. We have to have clarity that God cares for us. And um, I, so many people don't believe this. Maybe they'll give it lip service. And it's like, honestly, for a lot of us, and myself included, it takes a long time to change my idea about what, who God is like, right? Because, I, I mean, I'm, I'm blessed to have a father who is present in my life and who's a good person, but he, he was not perfect, right? And some of you guys could say the same thing. Or maybe you could say, eh, present, not really. Perfect, not, not at all, right? So you have these images and ideas about who God is, right? And those things are, are, are forming your expectations. And so it's hard. It's hard to be persistent in prayer because we think, does, does God really care? Does he really know? And we have these nagging things. And um, whenever Jesus gives prayer advice, he also, he also paints this picture of, of a loving God. We've got to understand there's a connection between those two. If I'm going to go to God, I need to expect good things from him because I, I, I need to know that he cares for me. Like, this is the whole gospel. This is Jesus came down. He's God taken on flesh to save, seek and save the lost, like to, to, to redeem a broken world. Like, it's just God screaming out, I do care about you. I do care about your brokenness. I do care about your pain. And I'm dealing with it over the course of time. We have to get clarity about who we think God is and what he's like. God loves you. He hears your prayers. But understand that the challenge of persistent prayer is just holding on to that truth. Jesus knew that. By the way, Jesus is not like blinders on the eyes for guys. I mean, he, he lived in a time where, uh, like, <laughs> he's, a, he's a Jew under Roman oppression um, he's in a time where probably like 90 in like 90th percentile of people are like totally poor, unable to have, have anything saved up for the next day. He's living in a time where, uh, you know, there's disease and there's pain and there's war. And he, he eyes wide open is saying, God loves you. He cares for you. This is what he's like in the middle of all the difficulties of life. Jesus knew that we need to hold on to and, and, and have a clear idea of what God is like if we're going to persist in prayer. And that's why he gives us these parables. But he knows there's a challenge behind it, right? And that's why he wonders out loud, loud in, the, in the first parable in Luke, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It's like, because, because if we're going to persist in prayer, we have to persist in faith. Faith is just this hope and expectation that God hears me. He's going to deliver me. And, and, and Jesus is fully aware that, man, it comes. It's going to be difficult. Like, you, are believers, are going to have to fight for this hope and this faith and this expectation. You've got to settle in your heart if you're going to pray persistently that, man, I, I, I believe there's a God of love that I'm talking to and who, he will intervene. He will hear my case. And so I have to have clarity about faith or else maybe... I'll just like leave faith behind. Again, that's, that's just not going to work. That's not going to leave you, lead you to um, a, a life of persistent prayer. And look at what I'm not doing today, what I couldn't do today is answer the question, so why? <laughs> why does it work this way? Why is it that 
like we don't just immediately like come to God and pray and then all the problems are always taken care of. Why is there a need for persistent prayer? I'm not going to be able to answer that today. I apologize. <laughs> but you, you guys don't have three hours. And even three hours, it wouldn't, I wouldn't get you to the answer, I promise you. Like this is just a, a, a challenge in prayer. But Jesus, knowing, knowing that that is frustrating, Knowing that this is difficult, he still says, but there is a way forward, and it's a way of faith, it's a way of persistence, and there's goodness on the other side, right? So you can take your whys, and and, and I respect those, and that is very, very difficult, but we have to put those on hold for a second and learn at least what Jesus says, that there is a way forward in the midst of all the whys and all the unanswered questions and difficulties. The way forward is faith, persistence, and prayer. See, Jesus makes it clear, uh, God is good, he hears your persistent prayers, he's not indifferent, and he makes it clear that persistent prayer is hard because it requires persistence and faith, and that doesn't mean, and this is my, my point number two, just because you are persistently praying, you have to know that does not mean you're doing it wrong, right? We think, well, I wouldn't have to be so persistent if I were doing it right because all the stuff would be taken care of. That's a long sentence. Does that sentence make any sense? (laughs) I think it does. If you are going to pray persistently, you have to know that you're not doing it wrong just because it requires persistence. I think a lot of us get discouraged along the way. We think, I'm just just praying wrong because if I were praying right, then all all my problems would be taken care of. And I think part of the problem is, like, even even looking back at, at Matthew 7, we actually have some translation challenges. Because there's some things going on, and let me bore you a little bit with the Bible. No, it's exciting. It's really exciting. These verbs, uh, ask, seek, and knock, they are present, active, imperative, second-person plural verbs. That make it clear? Which means that actually, if we were to really translate it, uh, we translate this this phrase something like this. It's, um, where did I write it down? Yeah, okay. It should be translated like, like this. Y'all keep asking, second person plural. Y'all, if, if, he was from the south, very south of here. <laughs> um, y'all keep asking and it will be given to you. Y'all keep seeking and you will find. Y'all keep knocking and the door will be open to you. That's actually what it says in Greek. It doesn't say, do it once, check the box off, and then you'll have the thing. Which, that would be nice, wouldn't <laughs> But Jesus knew that's not how it works. It's you need to be persistently going on, continually seeking. But at the end of that, you will be heard. God will hear you. He will meet you. He'll open the door. There's a continual asking, seeking, knocking that's required. It's, it's right here in the text. I don't want to act like that's easy. It's hard to feel pain and loss and disappointment and hurt and yet persist in going back to a good and loving God because we start to have these like doubts that surface. And if anybody knew that, that this is hard, it's Jesus. I mean, he suffered. Like that's what we we make really clear. We we see the person to Jesus like he's God in the flesh, but he like dealt with normal human struggles. All the things, all the pain, all the difficulty that you dealt with, Jesus can sympathize with it because he went through those things. Um, I know, again, I'm just scratching the surface here, 
But prayer really does force us to do something difficult because uh, Jesus calls us to this difficulty of walking into to pain, persisting in prayer, and he says that it's good. He says it's, there's going to be goodness and care from God in the midst, midst of that. Um, in Matthew 5, 3 through 4, like this beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, like Matthew 7, 5 through 7 is all just one big sermon. Like Jesus is, is teaching people, right? And he begins the Sermon on the Mount and he says this. He, he's basically saying to, to Jewish people, religious believers at the time, right? And it, it still applies to us now. He's talking about the kingdom of God, which is coming because of him, because of what he's doing. And he says this. He introduces his sermon by saying this. Blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus doesn't give a bunch of ethical, start with a bunch of like, do this and do this and do this. He just says, look, I'm coming and I'm here to tell you that as a result of my work, my, my, my death and resurrection um, and your faith in me, like you can enter into the kingdom, into life in the kingdom where, where I'm the king and, and I'm watching over you. And life in the kingdom doesn't look like life outside of the kingdom. It looks like where there is blessing in being poor of spirit because, because God is very present to those who are poor of spirit. There is blessing for those who mourn because God will comfort them. It's not God will take away their mourning and, like, and then it'll be totally gone immediately. But it's that God will intervene in the midst of our difficulty. That's how he begins this sermon, right? And he tells us to persistently pray throughout it. He basically tells the people who are listening, and, and they find it so compelling, you need to take another look at your life and consider the things that you think are blessed. Like, it would be great if we just all had, were wealthy and had no problems and no health issues and all our relationships were great. Wouldn't that be nice? But he's, he's making this point. He says, like, actually right here, right now, even as you mourn, even as you're poor of spirit, there's comfort and there's peace, and there's joy, and there's a God who intervenes on your behalf. He cares about you. And he just says, just open your eyes to it. Open your eyes to it, and then start to pray accordingly. Pray according to, to what is being revealed here in the Word, that God cares for you. He doesn't ask us, just don't mourn, just move on, just get over it. That's not his advice. He says, in the middle of your mourning, you're going to be comforted. So continue to seek out the comfort. Don't just try to get over it. Like, Encounter a God who's there in the middle of you, who, who took on flesh to die for your sake, who te teaches you to just persistently pray and seek after you because he's good. He's a good father. He cares for you. Just think about who I am and just, just keep pursuing who I reveal myself to be. He asks us to seek the kingdom and to know that the one who comforts us as we mourn. And then one final observation, and then we're going to do our, our, our weird thing. Our, not weird thing. It's going to be great. Uh, our different thing. Uh, this, this, I was not expecting this, um, but like I have, a, I have another, just go to the next slide here. This verse up here, right? And emphasizing these, these, these last sections, right? He says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give gift to those who ask him, okay? So that's kind of like, feels like the end. But then Jesus says this, therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophets, that is a really weird therefore, right? Old Bible study trick is you got, when you see a therefore, you got to ask what it's there for. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. Like, like, therefore is a concluding word. It's like wrapping up my points. And that point does not track with the previous points. Do you know what I'm saying? That just doesn't. Like, Jesus, what are you talking about? 
when you say, Jesus, what are you talking about? I, that was okay for me to say in this context. I was not taking the Lord's name in vain for talking to Jesus. Sorry. I felt like I did something wrong. <laughs> I said that. Uh, Jesus, what are you talking about? <laughs> Anyways, I, this is weird. This is my weird head. Um, what is he saying? And, and this, is, this is, I think, what he's saying. If you're going to pray persistently, live generously. And generously is maybe the wrong word, but live, it matters how you live. Because he's making a real definite connection between understanding the goodness of God, continuing to ask and seek and knock, and then you living accordingly. That seems a little mind-blowing to me. So what, what's going on there? And as I think about it, and as I try to make sense of it, I just think it's this, like, man, if you perceive, because Jesus has told you, that the kingdom of, of heaven is like, it's actually that this world that seems devoid of goodness is actually full of his presence and comfort and grace and kindness. If we would only open our eyes to it, if we would only recognize, no, Jesus is like kind of intervening and bringing a kingdom in the midst of much difficulty. If we would start to see the world that way, then we would understand that, man, I used to think God was distant, but now I understand he's gracious and he's present and he comforts me. And I understand that the world is shaped a little bit differently than I once thought it was. And so actually, the, the, the wise and the blessed person just can almost... In, in like, just from faith, just live in a way that is in accordance with how God is. And we, we, we hear the refrain throughout Scripture, mostly spoken to Israel at first, but then spoken again like in First Peter to Christians, be holy because I am holy. When we come into a relationship with God, we actually are called to become more like Him. Like the destiny for Christian maturity, is Christ-likeness. And from that sense of knowing rightly who God is and interacting with him persistently, we actually come to know his generosity and his kindness and the way that he just looks at people who are so far away and he just wants to pour out blessing and love upon them. And we're called to live after that after that picture of what he's like. Um, whenever I, I, I was away this week, um, and whenever I travel, my Uber ride to the airport, when I'm by myself, is always exciting. <laughs> and um, this, well, yeah, on Friday, it was, it was the case. Um, I got picked up by uh, a guy named Michael. I don't, you, you probably don't know <laughs> so it's okay. He drives Uber in <laughs> Portland. Um, and uh, I don't know, maybe he's tuning in. Hi, Michael. Telling a little bit about our story. But anyways, um, he, it was great. You know, when you get picked up uh, outside of a seminary, conversation gets started real quick. <laughs> oh, what are you doing at the seminary? Well, I'm doing seminary things. And then, you know, it's like, conversation. Either, either they stop the conversation or it becomes very uh, serious very quickly. And it became very serious very quickly. And, and Michael told me that he was not just an atheist, but an anti-theist. 
Um, and because he had a religious background um, and he did not have uh, a good experience, let's just say. He's really down on faith. And, you know, we talked for a, a while. You know, it's like 25-minute drive, 30 minutes. Um, and really good conversation, really, really thankful for, for that. Um, but, you know, his hang-up is that he looks at the world and he says, how could God be kind if this is the way things are? And inevitably, he made this strong connection between his own experience and his father and his pain and his hurt. And like, you know, like, I, and I've heard that story before. Like, so many people are, are hung up on this. Um, here's the thing. Bitterness and hurt and pain will just let me see. The, it, just, it just darkens my view of the world. And it makes me, uh, when I, unless I just deal with it, uh, it makes me angry. And, you know, I, 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 I don't know this guy, but like in our short conversation, like, I mean, he's very angry at God. He would tell you that, right? Oh, God, he doesn't think exists. Um, and I just know that does something to your soul. It just becomes hard when you're, when you're angry and hurt to, like, to live in, in, in that place of generosity. There's like this thing between, between how we live outwardly and, and what we perceive God to be like. And I think what Jesus is doing, he's just exposing that. He's like, look at, you come to God and you see who he is and then it's going to change your life. And it's this whole 360 degree process. Um, there's a lot going on there. So um, bitterness, anger, man, it's going to blind you to the ways of God. And um, it's going to make it so that you can't see how God is actually answering you in the middle of all, all the things. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to leave that there. And then, <laughs> for our weird thing, oh gosh, you guys know I am married to a, a lovely introvert. Yes. Yes, I was like, yeah, thank you, yeah. But she's going to come up here and talk, talk with us for a little bit because, um, because I really pressured her. No, I didn't. <laughs> I asked, and she thought about it, and she said, okay. And now she probably regrets it. But um, the thing about Molly, this is my wife, Molly. Yay, Molly. Yeah, you guys all know. You guys all know Molly. Um, the thing about Molly is she is, like, way more spiritual than I am. <laughs> and has like a great prayer. Uh, well, okay, we'll, we'll talk about your prayer life in a minute. But um, she has a lot of wisdom about persistent prayer. And I, she doesn't believe me, but I, I know she does. Uh, <laughs> and so I thought uh, I wanted to have her come up here. And, you know, the truth is that I could have asked, I, I can think of like 30% of the people in this room. I think could it, could, I could have just done this. But... It's easier to plan when you're married to the person. So honestly, this is just because I was away most of the week. It was just easier to just choose my wife. So I apologize. Well, it's not she. She would she would not like like the thought that I chose her just because she's my wife. Like there's so many people who are who are wise in this room, and I'm thankful for I ninety for that. That there's uh, a lot of people who who know what it is to pray and to pray persistently. Um, but Molly's one of them, and so I thought I'd ask her. So it's the same low battery. So oh. 
Also, we're just very different. Yeah. You and me. Yeah. Like. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, Tell me about that. Perspective. How? Um, well, okay. No, we'll, we're going to get there. We're going to get to how we're different, right? In a second. Um, but first of all, can you just tell, I mean, you, Molly was like, uh, how do I talk about this without like sharing any personal details because she's an introvert. So. She'd rather not do <laughs> all right? But we, we realized that that, that wasn't going to happen. So Molly, why don't you tell me a little bit of your, uh, whatever you're comfortable with from your background or, or challenges you've had in this. <laughs> I'm... Um. I read a great quote in a book over the summer. Um, it was actually, it was Beth Moore's memoir that she wrote. And she was talking about her husband who deals with a lot of uh, mental health struggles. And, and she, she just said, you know, some, for some people, life is just harder. And honestly, I mean, I've been very blessed. I'm very thankful for the things I've been given in my life. But I would, I would say comparatively here, um, <laughs> Life is harder for me. <laughs> just being alive. Just being alive is harder for me. Yep. Um, and so I think the kinds of things that I've struggled with um, emotionally, relationally, based on my past, um, have all led me to mm, this idea of persistent prayer, probably more than you, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were talking a little bit about that. Because, um, honestly, I think because cause you're, a, you're a deeper person than I am. I mean, I just, I'm just, I'm just going to just put that out there. That's I, 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 the way I think of it. Um, and I'm just, I'm like, I take things pretty easy. Maybe I'm a little lazy. <laughs> right? There's, a shadow. Um, There's always I, a shadow side. <laughs> shadow side, too. Yeah, that positive way of framing it. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I, I pray, I pray about things, and I pray persistently, but, man, you, I feel, feel like you just, like, like want to, to break through, yeah. and you, like, have learned that, probably. Yeah. yeah, I'm not very easily satisfied, and I'm certainly not satisfied with the surface level, Yeah, just accepting something as, okay, well, that's good, let's move on. I really want it in, in fullness and in completeness. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. so... Can you tell me about like what's the biggest obstacle for persistent prayer? The things you've had to things you've had to overcome. Yeah, I think there are two big ones. I think the first one is probably stamina, um, because I think a lot of times these issues that cause us to need to pray persistently over a long period of time, like you can't um, you can't apply as much energy to those things as you can like a crisis prayer, like something you need to pray right now that's an emergency. Um, you can't bring that same energy to these things over a long span of time. And so I think that stamina is hard yeah. to keep up. Um, like you can't sprint a marathon. Yeah. You know, you have to pace yourself and... Um, and that, that's a hard thing because some of these things are so important. And, and honestly, I have felt in my life some of these things I've struggled with. Like, I, I feel like until they're resolved, I can't do anything else. But realistically, you have to do other things. You yeah. have to. Um, Kids need to go to school. And yeah, eat you, you and just yeah, have to live. And so there's, like, it can be really frustrating to feel like you can't give as much energy or as much faith or as much even just devotion to an issue. Um, 
but, but I don't think that means the prayers are less valuable um, just yeah. because the energy ebbs and flows. Yeah. Yeah. I have a second one too, actually. So I was thinking about, while you were just talking, I think one, one thing that I felt that I felt like you didn't address. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Critique. Wonderful. <laughs> um, is that uh, prayer is risky. Yeah. Prayer is yeah, really risky. Um, and persistent prayer is risky. And I don't like taking risks personally. Um, so another difference between the two of us. Um, and so I have found that to be a, a large obstacle. I actually thought of, um, I'm just going to look this out really quick. Thought of the, in Mark chapter 5, um, Jesus is, do, 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 where is he? He's just walking, he's in a large crowd, and a synagogue leader named Jer Jairus came to him, and he fell at his feet, and he begged him earnestly, my little daughter is dying, come and lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressed against him. Now, a woman of suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. And I thought, you know, the guy, the, the dad comes and he's able to ask for what he wants in this crisis moment. Well, this woman had been struggling with this thing for 12 years. Like, that's persistent. That's a persistent issue. And she, she doesn't ask because asking is risky. Mm. Like, if she, maybe she had asked before. Maybe she had asked someone to pray for her. Maybe she had prayed. Maybe, whatever it is, like, she hadn't received the answers she wanted. And what's the risk? And the risk is not receiving. Yeah. And, um, and I think the fact that she just approached God quietly, touched him. That was her way of mitigating the disappointment, perhaps, that she wouldn't have received the healing she was desiring. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I felt like that a lot. Yeah, and that's, and Jesus, uh, I mean, calls that faith, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's like, it's like the, I think the thing is like, the thing we're definitively called to in prayer is to do so uh, with faith, right? And so it's it's always this, to, to me, I think, in whatever form that takes, it's like, it's no, I am going to turn to God, and I am going to expect him, and I am going to, like, with all my heart and my pleading and my, and my hope and desire, I'm going to set it upon his, his care, his intervention, like, and to do that over time, it's like a muscle. It's like, I don't know, I, so I, <laughs> when you work out, you know, you, you know, you do your sets and reps, and after a while, your muscle gets depleted, or like immediately, if you're me, um, right? And then it just hurts the more, like you could find more, but it starts to hurt and hurt. I think that's a lot of like persistent faith, like it, you, you start to like feel like, oh man, this is taking something from me, but we're, we're called to keep at it, called to keep up seeking the Lord. That's hard. Yeah, it's hard to... Um hard to conjure up hope when you don't have any. Yeah. Yeah. Can we skip to question three? Are there skills that you've developed in other parts of your life that have helped your, in your prayer life? Skills in other parts of my life. Um, well, actually, 
I have two things again. Well, I think the first thing is in issues of persistent prayer, it is best if you let somebody else in on it. Um, I don't think that just like, just like running a marathon, I don't think, I, I grew up in Boston, Boston Marathon's a big deal. And when you, when you go to like watch the Boston Marathon, there are people cheering from the very start along the entire route. And for a lot of folks, that's the only way they finish. Um, and I think that our spiritual lives are not really that different than that. And I, I feel like having people know, maybe not the fullness, you know, as much as you're able or willing to articulate, having people in on that, um, to, to support you, cheer you on, to pray for you, to accompany you, to hold you accountable. Um, I think that's really important. And the other thing I was going to say is that something I've only learned in the last couple of years um, is a little bit of like self-awareness to like work with who you are, not who you wish you were. So um, when I, 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 can you use you as an example? I'm not throwing you under the bus, but. Um, <laughs> it's better when you lead with that. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but as Trey mentioned, I think part, I think his easygoingness is a, a huge strength, incredibly flexible, incredibly patient person, but then also maybe sometimes hard to stir on. But like, but you can work with that in persistent prayer, whereas yeah. I'm the opposite, where I'm going to throw every ounce of energy I have at something until I'm going to burn myself out completely. But I also have found that I can work with that, and God can work with that too. And so just utilizing, whether it be like your bursts of faith or energy or the times you need to rest. Um, we had this marriage conference here uh, last month, and um, the husband of the couple who spoke talked about uh, – just he, he, he actually used the visual of like a room inside himself, like he had a suffering room. And so sometimes he'd have to go into his suffering room. Um, and that has been really helpful for me, I think, to know myself and to know that um, it's okay to have feelings and your feelings have a place and you can actually make space for them and you can go into that place and you can, you can pray through that. And then when you feel a different way, you can pray through that. I don't know, just yeah. kind of being a little bit self-aware and working with that instead of against yourself. Yeah. And I've had three conversations just before, earlier today, about lament, like people like, mm -hmm. like, hey, like mm -hmm. we're actually going to, we put this into practice and mm -hmm. it actually, it actually doesn't make us more sad. It just lets us deal with our feelings and then is, we're able to move on in, in, in hope, you know, past yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Um, okay, cool. Last question. And then we're, we're going to wrap this up. And uh, how do you keep up hope and joy when things get hard? I, t I don't like that question. <laughs> I know you told me you didn't like that question. Yeah, like yeah. we're going to end with the question you don't like. Okay, well, here's my, here's my two cents on hope and joy. I think that hope and joy can look different for different people. Hmm. And um, I think that the best kind of joy, the kind of joy, the taste and see kind of joy that we come back to is actually the kind that happens the deepest, quietest part inside ourselves that not a lot of people will see. So in mm. that sense, it's hard to describe it. Like we have all these images of joy we, that come in our head when we talk about it. And I just don't resonate with those things at all. But I will say that the 
two particular areas of my life, um, one inside me and my emotional life, and then another in a relational situation. Um, these are these persistent prayer things for me. And I have found so much joy in God moving in those spaces of prayer and comforting me in those spaces of prayer, giving me just like, just one inch of vision toward a future that looks different or one ounce of hope toward something he has for me or whatever it is, those are like the deepest places of joy. But they actually have only come after like this woman, you know, a long time. Um, so I don't know. That doesn't really answer the question. No, no, that's I, no, that's really good. That's I don't really think it, it has to be like put on a happy face. Um, yeah. And and just some of us are wired differently. Yeah. Like you express joy much differently than I do. My joy probably looks to most people like sadness. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I'm happy. I swear. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm doing really um, well. <laughs> but that's okay. That's who I am. And um, yeah. But it's real. Yeah. Boy, and I, I think you, I, I, well, just, just to impose my, my interpretation. <laughs> no, um, like, I think you do a good job of marking things. Like, when God is comforting you, you're just like, that's the thing, you know? And, and just to, to see, to recognize progress or change or, or forward movement or, or God intervening, like, like, you do a really good job. Like, I'm just sort of like, <laughs> like, going through my life, and, and I'm a little oblivious. Sorry. Sorry to everyone. Sorry, Britt. Um, and, um, but you just, like, you're, like, intentional about, about saying this. And I think that's, like, such a good skill in persistent prayer. You building, have to, building altars. Building altars along Build the way. Build those altars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, cool. Hey, worship team, come on up. Um, yeah, it's great. So um, I just wanted to leave us with one little quick word here as the worship team comes up, and we'll pray together. Molly mentioned, you know, having people in on your, on your persistent prayer issues. The other side of that is maybe you're on the hearing, listening, being a friend to somebody who's going through that. That takes skill, too. So I wanted to encourage you guys, you know, one, like if you, if you are going through something, don't do it alone. And then two, if you're the sort of person who's being entrusted, you're being recognized as a listening ear, man, just understand that's, that's something to be, that's a privilege to be in on somebody else's suffering and their difficulty. And you can just care about that person, you know, just check in with them, um, ask them how it's going. If they're letting you know, and eh, this thing is on my heart, like, like, be the sort of person who's just like, oh, I'm going to pray along with you, and then I'm just not going to forget about it. I'm actually going to come back to you in two, three weeks, a month, you know, and I'm going to say, hey, how's that going? How's that going? Like, that's being the church, being there for each other. That's, a, I think, a skill we need to sort of develop, especially in Seattle, Freezy, Seattle. Um, you know, like, we can cut against the grain, and care about each other better. So um, as we are growing in prayer and as we're trying to, to persist, like I just want to encourage you guys in that. And uh, I'm just going to pray for you all, and then we're just, we'll just worship together. So Lord, thank you, for, thank you for your presence, God. Thank you for your church, Lord. Lord, we are just like, um, like people uh, receiving your word. 
God, and you talk about your word, it like comes into our lives, it's like a seed, and it just grows, and it bears fruit. And so, as we think about the y'all, all of us together as a church, Lord, we want to see your word grow and become beautiful and um, be refreshing to the world, Lord, refreshing to us, refreshing to those around us, Lord. We, we want to be people who can point to and see, oh, I see God moving and doing things here, and we're talking about that and sharing each other and just like um, tending your work, Lord, recognizing it, not just like, like sometimes if you were to plant a garden and then you just walk all over the stuff you just planted because you don't know what's there, Lord, let us be people who who tread lightly upon, upon the work that you're doing and, and just nourish it and grow it, Lord. We want to see you make beautiful things from our lives. Lord, we want to see you uh, bring people to you. We want to see the, the, the difficulties that we've been handling for a long time just like, like be resolved. Lord, we want to see your, your love and your grace and your kindness and all things. Lord, we just know you're good. You're a good father. So Lord, teach us to be people who collectively are doing that. Holy Spirit, just form us into your, into your likeness, Lord Jesus. We want to be like you. Amen. Hey, let's worship together. Let's stand together.